Thanks for listening to iTruths, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. We have, uh, for the last uh, couple weeks, we've been uh, talking about just getting back to business. Uh, we've, we, we've noted that, okay, we're now fully into a new normal. And uh, a lot of good things going on in that new normal. Not a lot of things that came about because of uh, the pandemic and uh, better ways to do things, uh, easier ways to do things, and, uh, and all of that's great. But one of the things we've noticed is that there's some elements to the new normal that aren't so great. And, and if you pay attention to businesses, they're, they're paying a lot of attention to that because they don't want this new normal to stay the same. So they're making tweaks. They're putting things in place to, to change things, to get things to be a little bit more efficient, more sufficient, and, and so forth. And, you know, that's good advice for us as a church because the truth of the matter is the new normal for the church, I mean, there's elements that are really, really great, really good, but there's also some elements that aren't so good. And so what we've been trying to do is just take an honest and uh, what someone said to me, pretty blunt look at that new normal. You know, in some ways, uh, if you wanted to sum up what's the new normal, at least the bad side of it, as far as church is concerned, here it is. We miss more, we give less, and we serve haphazardly. Uh, we have taken a Sunday on each one of those. We talked about serving haphazardly and, and how God really, I think, wants us to be a lot more strategic and faithful and, and consistent in that serving. Last week, we talked about giving. Because the truth of the matter is, across the board, maybe not you specifically, but generally speaking, not just in our church, but in the church in general, we give less. We give less today than we gave in 2019. Less percentage and sometimes in even less amount. So we're serving haphazardly, we're giving less, and guess what else? We're missing more. We're missing a lot more. And I'm not just talking about the worship service, oh, we missed the whole Sunday. I'm talking about things like 930 ministries. I mean, 930 ministries, not just in our church, but in almost every church there is, you look at, at, at you know, whether you call it community groups or Sunday school or just small groups or whatever, participation is down. It's like everyone, you know, realized during the pandemic, oh, we can't do that. And when it was time to be able to resume... We didn't resume. We miss more. Somehow we got comfortable missing. You know, it used to be a, a family that was really all in. They'd miss once every other month, whether it's worship service, 9.30, Wednesday nights, whatever. You know, now we miss a lot more, probably half the time in some cases, sometimes far more than that. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk just about coming to church. Now, y'all know you're supposed to come to church. 
And what this is going to be is, is basically just a good review as to why. Why in the world should you come to church? Why is it bad? Why is it not a good thing that this new normal that the church is now founded in, found itself in, why is it not a good thing that it is acceptable and tolerated and, and just considered the norm that we come far less or we participate in the various facets of the church far less than what we did before the pandemic, before the big shutdown. So I want to encourage you, if you grabbed one of the bulletins, you can look on the back side of it. If you didn't grab one of the bulletins, find a piece of paper or pull out your phone and jot a couple of these things down. Because I think, I think this is actually going to be something that I think you wanna, you're going to want to remember. Here's the deal. I mean, you cannot read the Bible without walking away from seeing this principle. God's people are to gather together regularly and consistently. I mean, from the dawn of history, God wanted his people to gather together. Now, we can take a long time to go through the Old Testament and then skip into the New Testament just to see it, but I'm just going to give you guys the benefit of the doubt that you've read your Bible, you know the storyline of the Bible, you know that's what they did. If you want a passage, just go to Leviticus 23, for example, and look for these words, holy convocation, holy convocation. Several times on their calendar, the Jewish nation, they were supposed to gather together for what? Let's say it all together, a holy convocation. It's like, you know what? You ain't taking vacation that week. You ain't going on that golf trip. You ain't doing that shopping trip. You ain't saying, boy, we're really wiped out. We can't do it. No, you were supposed to, and it was in the law, you were supposed to come together for what? A holy convocation. And, and the thing that's really kind of cool, the reason I directed you to that passage, if you wanted to read it, you'll see that sometimes those holy convocations, they were like three or four day conferences. You know, I mean, how about that? Man, we weren't supposed to just go for an hour. We weren't supposed to go for an hour and another hour. We were supposed to go for three or four days. And, and I find it really interesting that they, they, the command was only issued to the men. And it's not that the women, you know, got to stay home because they all came. But God was smart enough to know that if the guy had to go, he was going to make his wife go too. He was going to make his kids go. And uh, they got together. Now, you go over to the book of Acts, and you can just start in Acts 2. And you can see that they were regularly and consistently gathering together. And you don't have to read too long before you realize they were regularly and, ga they were regularly and consistently gathering together on what? The Lord's Day. It's kind of the label they gave to Sundays. Now, they probably, because they were mostly Jewish in origin, were gathering together on Saturday, but they also wanted to gather together on Sunday because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And, I mean, all the way, you know, you get to Acts 20, it's like on the Lord's day, 
they're gathered together. And you guys thought I preached long. Paul, in that case, preached so long, there was some kid sitting up in the balcony that fell asleep, fell over, fell down dead. Now that could happen in Paul's day because Paul was able to go over and raise him from the dead. God doesn't do that anymore because he knows I don't do that. I can't do that. I mean, but here's the deal. They gathered together. So that's just, that's just a basic thing. If you are God's person, if you're one of God's people, if you've come to the place in your life when you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're supposed to gather with God's people. And God's people gather together on this side of the cross on the Lord's day. Now, that raises a really interesting question. If I could put it on the screen. Why? Why? Well, there's two ways I could answer that. One would be from God's perspective. Why does God want you to do that? Well, that's, a, that's actually a sermon for another day that I'm not going to preach, but let me just give you a little snippet of what it would be. Psalm 22.3. God says, the, the psalmist there, is David that wrote it, said, God is enthroned in the praises of his people. When God's people gather together and praise him, lift up his name, worship him, as we're attempting to do today, somehow God is enthroned in the praises of his people. Uh, I kind of think that what that has in mind there is God's name, the thought of God, the concept of God is lifted up and people can see it. It's like testimony. One of the ways we testify to the community our faith and trust in God and the message of the gospel is by gathering. Uh, you got kind of the same concept going on if you're taking notes in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. What is the church? The church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. It's not that we make something true. It's that we lift it up. It's like a pillar. It's like we're holding up the truth that there's a God, that he's sovereign, he's created, creator, he's holy, and we're supposed to worship him. We're supposed to be in right relationship with him. That's what we do as a church. If we're not doing that, we're missing the mark. And so why would God want his people to gather together? So that his people gather together is a testimony to those who are not God's people. That they're missing out. They, 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 they think money's the most important thing. They think golf's the most important thing. They think the cowboys are the most important thing. They think, you know, status is the most important thing. And we're saying, uh-uh, God is the most important thing. That's why God would put that in. And that's just one element. But like I said, that's, that's kind of a sermon for another day. Here's the sermon I want to preach. Why should we? Let's, look, let's answer this question, why? Not from God's perspective, but from our perspective. Why should you be here? 
Why should you be here? Why should I be here? Well, you get paid. Oh, okay, I forgot about that. Yeah. Why should we come to church? And why should we resist that temptation to miss? Because we're going to talk about the fact that you can't be here all the time. You're going to miss. But why? Why should you do that? Well, here's the first reason. This is a great reason. Because God commands it. God told you to. Uh, you, again, like I said, you don't have to read far through the Bible. You don't have to read deeply through the Bible to walk away with that. This is not optional. It's not like God said, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm cooking up a bunch of food. Y'all come, but, you know, you don't even have to let me know whether you're coming or going, you know, because there'll be plenty and I can keep the leftovers. Just, it's optional to show up. If you were a child of God and you wanted to know what does God expect of me, what has God told me to do, one of the things he's told you to do is gather with his people for the purpose of worship, for prayer, for fellowship, for learning more about your relationship with Christ, serving the body of Christ. It, it, it's not an optional thing. It's actually a have-to thing. Now, you know, I know you can track with this. So many things that God told us to do have great benefits. And I'm as guilty of it as any preacher what, what a lot of times I'll do is I'll say, here's what God told you to do. Here's the benefits of it. And if you were to walk away, you'd almost think, well, the reason I should do that is because there are these great benefits. And it's almost like I've assumed the, the role of being a salesman for God and telling him, telling you all the features that come with this new version of obedience to whatever the command is. I mean, let me just use it for, you know, illustration purposes. I mean, the whole purity thing, okay? God, God has told us to be holy, to be pure, to be moral, you know, to come out from among them and be holy. And you know what? It should be good enough for me to just say, that's what God said, period. You know, everything has its place and immorality Outside, that, that's wrong. God said so. The end, let's go to lunch. But I, I rarely preach it that way. Hardly any preachers preach it that way. What do we do? We, we tell all the benefits of purity. You know, my favorite benefit of purity is purity is the pathway to intimacy. You want a really intimate relationship with your spouse? Be pure. You want a really surfacey, strained relationship with your spouse? Don't be pure. Things like pornography, things like a horrible thought life, things like stepping out, things like flirting, all those things. You ain't going to have any kind of intimacy. You might stay married, but it won't be an intimate relationship, physically or mentally or emotionally. Purity is the pathway to intimacy. And I could preach a long sermon on purity, and you could easily walk out the door and say, man, I want to be pure because I want that kind of a marriage. And it might be easy for us to forget, 
I should be that way because God told me so. You know, what does that say about us, by the way, that everything has to be justified? God told me to do this. He better have some good reasons. You got some reasons? I want to know those reasons. I mean, it's a long book. There's got to be some reasons in there as to why I should give or serve or attend or stay pure or, you know, watch my language or watch my uh, thought life or whatever else is the command. Better have some good reasons. And you know what? I just sometimes wonder what that says about us personally when it's like, yeah, 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 I know it's in there, but why? Why should I do that? What are the benefits? And, you know, I'm going to give you two other reasons, but in reality, they're not reasons. They're, they're just benefits of the first one. When you obey, these are the benefits that happen. So let's just kind of keep that right, okay? Now, this, this raises up a, a question that I don't think in, in all my years of ministry I've ever really attempted to, to uh, answer. When is it okay to skip church? Anyone here skip church? Oh, come on, quit lying. Everyone's hand should come up, okay? There isn't anyone here. I mean, Robinson Toyota's not giving a free car away to everyone that's been at church every time the doors are open. I mean, you know, we can all be honest. Every one of us has missed a Sunday, Every one of us has missed a 9.30 time. Every one of us has missed a Wednesday night time or a small group time or whatever time it is that the doors are open. When is it okay to miss church? You say, well, I mean, I didn't think it was ever okay. No, you know, we, just by example, God doesn't answer this question. He left it for me to answer it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you just think of Hannah. Remember Hannah, Samuel's mom? I mean, after Samuel, after Hannah had Samuel, she didn't go to the feasts. And you get the impression she didn't go for a few years until she went, and then she left Samuel. So she obviously, this woman of God that God raised up and praised, optionally skipped out on some of those feasts. When is it okay to skip church? You know, I love this next point. You know what? It's way above my pay grade to try to answer that question. That is between you and God. It really is. I love it when people tell me that they're not going to be here, sort of, kind of, but I'm glad that they have a good excuse. You know, and they say, hey, I, we're not going to be here, just wanted you to know, and all that, because, you know, that's kind of what I do for a living. That's what Andy does for a living. It's what Megan's starting to do for a living. I mean, it's like, where were they? Did they just sit at home, or are they over at Williams, or First Methodist, or First Baptist, Heritage, you know? Where are they? What's going on? Do I need to call them? Do I not need, you know, the whole thing. So it's nice when you let us know. But you know what? You don't have to. And and if you're calling and saying, hey, this is what we're doing, just wanted to let you know, and, and you're kind of expecting me to say, yes, that's okay, I'm never going to say, yes, that's okay, because that's above my pay grade. I mean, I get paid well, but I don't get paid that well. I ain't going to do it. It's between you and God. 
But you know what? That's actually not an easy answer for all of us, okay? Because the truth of the matter is, it is between you and God. When you miss a Sunday, whether it's for work or sickness or travel or just, boy, we're pooped, that's between you and God. So as I was thinking about it, I just wanted to throw in two more points, questions, that might help you. And I bet if you sit and think about it, you might even come up with some other ones. And actually, yesterday when I was mowing my lawn, I came up with a really good one, but I didn't write it down and I can't remember it. But if I think of it in the next five minutes, I'll give it to you, okay? But here's the first one. If you actually had to call in to Jesus, would you skip? Now, I haven't worked for anyone other than Fellowship Bible Church for almost 40 years, okay? And uh, I never, you know, I let people know I'm sick or I'm out of town or whatever, but it's really more an informing thing as a having to ask permission, you know? Uh, so it's been a long time since, you know, say I worked for, for Albertsons uh, or whatever that grocery store was there in Kearns, Utah, and every once in a while I'd have to call up the manager and say, I ain't coming to work today, I'm sick. But I can tell you what, there was a ton of times when I had to call him up and say I was sick, that I was dialing the number and I thought, I'm not that sick. And I went to work. You know, I don't know what that says about it, you know, this guy handling all your groceries and sticking them in the bag and shoving them at you. You know, man, if anyone should have had a mask and the gloves, I probably should have a few times. But, you know, let me, you know, today, you know, I don't know, those of you that work for other entities, you know, maybe you can get by with a text. You can text, text your boss, hey, not feeling too well, not going to make it today, you know, or, or maybe you can email them, or maybe you just get on a website and you check it, gone, you know. But let me ask you, if we returned back to the good old days, say the 70s, the 80s, when you actually had to pick up a phone... And you called 903-794-2500, and Jesus answered, and you said, uh, Jesus, I just, just wanted to let you know I'm gonna not, just not going to be there today. Would you do it? And if the answer is yes, I'd say it's okay to skip. You know, this is going on. I'm sick. I've got to travel. This isn't happening. Whatever. If there was just that elevated accountability, not with me, not with Andy, not with someone else, but if there's just that elevated accountability that you actually had to talk to Jesus about it, and you knew he was listening, and you could hear in his voice, uh-huh, would you call in sick? Would you skip? Boy, the kids are just a mess. Uh-huh. Uh, boy, we had a rough week. Uh-huh. Wow, we were out really late. Uh-huh. And, and, and just why were you out really late last night when you knew you were supposed to come here? I mean, what would that do to your participation? You know, 930s just ain't working for us. I, I think we're going to take a pass. Uh-huh. All, I know they've got some Bible studies getting ready to go on Wednesday nights. Just ain't going to do it. Uh-huh. 
you know, I, that, that prayer thing that Richard did back in June, just Wednesday nights, come together, short Bible study, spend some time praying, just doesn't work for me. Uh-huh. What would Jesus say? Let me give you another one. How do you feel when you skip church? When you have to leave town early because, say, you're traveling, or you are staying home because you just need to, how do you feel? And maybe, maybe this is, you know, is, this is one of those things that maybe we've so conditioned ourselves to missing and we've gotten comfortable with it, we don't feel anything. So maybe we need to kind of stir the pot a little bit to get the ingredients back up in there so that we actually would feel it. But how, how do you feel? You know, uh, we've had adult children now for, you know, nearly 20 years. Jonathan's going to be 39 this fall. And so uh, one of the things that has just been true in Vicky's in my life is we have all these adult children, and they come back to town occasionally. And, you know, usually when they come back to town, we, we try to kind of lighten our schedule and not schedule anything else because we know they're only here for three days or five days or whatever, and we want to be together. But there's been a time, there's been times that, you know, there's just something I couldn't get out of or I couldn't switch. And, and so I've left the house some evening to go off, and the family is gathered at my house, eating my food, by the way. But, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, shoot, they're only going to be in town five days this whole year, and I'm here, and I'm not there. And there's kind of this twang inside of me that says, I'm missing out. I have to be there. I have to be, go do whatever it is I'm doing. But I'm missing out. I, I'm missing out on that conversation. I mean, and, and usually when I get back, it's like, Vicky, what, what did you guys talk about? What what'd you eat? What did you guys pick for dinner? You know, and who, you know, did you do the dishes? Did someone help you do the dishes? Oh, okay, you know, so what did they say when they said that, you know? And I want a blow-by-blow of what went on with the family when I can't be there. I think, in a way, that's how it ought to feel when you miss church. It's like, I love being there. I want to be there. And I'll just be honest, if it doesn't feel that way, it's like, okay, whoa. I, I better do some thinking. Maybe something's wrong. Maybe something's wrong with the church. Maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe it's just something wrong, and, and we've got to do it. But why, why am I so comfortable missing? Why does it not bother me? Let me tell you, if, if my whole family, all these adult kids and now some grandkids, if they're all gathered around at the table at home, and I'm off at a meeting, and it doesn't because... Like I said, they're, they're not around that much anymore. I'm off at a meeting, and it doesn't bother me a bit. Something's wrong. It's like, okay, they, are you not as close to these kids that you created, that you supported, that you raised? I mean, what, what's the deal? Why don't you want to be with the family? Or why doesn't the family miss you? Because it's supposed to be. Something. I mean, when you look at the book of Acts, those people wanted to be together. They met together 
so many times because they want it to be. And I'm not saying all that just to try to guilt trip any of us. I'm just saying, I mean, we may be empty nesters, but if I don't want to be with my wife, something's wrong. I mean, there should be just this, this, this desire to want to be together, to fellowship. You know? Yeah, I have to miss occasionally. But when I miss, I feel it. How do you feel when you skip? Like I said about five minutes ago, I had a third point, but it got left out on the, the yard. So, uh, But anyway, back to what we're talking about. Why go to church? Here's the first reason. God told you to. God told you to. He wants you to come for his reasons. But here's the thing that's really wonderful. Uh, he also gave us some reasons, too. You know another thing? It is good for you. It is so good for you to come together. Uh, you can uh, uh, just think about the person that has kind of been the recluse. What, what, what happens to a person that just is constantly keeping their distance? I mean... They get kind of a warped sense of reality. They, they, they win all the arguments that they have in their head because they're always right. And, and uh, a, a lot of bad things, no matter who you are, when you start separating away, you change. And it's not a good change. You kind of... Get warped. I mean, you're, you're out there, you're by yourself, and then something happens. There's no support system. There's no support system. It's real easy when you're out there by yourself, separated, to lose that motivation. Now, in our case, when you're separated away, it's real easy to lose that spiritual motivation, that drive to have a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, that drive to, to learn and master the, the philosophy of life that comes out of the Scriptures, that worldview. Uh, it's not good to be off. It is so good to come together. And when you sit and think about it, when you come together, when you're here, that's like the first step towards entering into that community where there's all kinds of great elements like accountability, like support, like, like encouragement. And so when you come and you're present, you're physically present, you, you've positioned yourself to benefit. That's kind of one of the interesting topics, you know, especially now, uh, over the last four or five years, every church in America now is online and live streams, whether they do it through Facebook or they do it through some service like we're doing it. But I mean, churches, you know, small all the way up to the, to the megas, they, everyone's online. You can go watch every church practically, you know? And there's this whole discussion, is that just as good or is that good enough? And, and I just tell you where I come down on the side, 
when it's virtual and you're just watching, you, really, you might be singing along, you might open your Bible and all that stuff, you might even give, but quite frankly, you're nowhere near participating and merging into that community. You're just a, a blip on a screen, literally. I mean, there is something, the, the power of our presence is, is crucial. And, and, and I'm not just talking the worship service. I'm talking about these smaller venues like 930 or like Wednesday night or some Bible study or a home group. When you, when you are there physically present, it is just so powerful. Now, th- this is a great segue into the, to the next one. It, it's good for us when we show up. It's good for others. It's good for others. Look, look at this. Don't underestimate the power of your presence. And I, w- I want to talk particularly to you older folks, you, you guys that are my age, maybe even a little bit younger than me, but, old, but on up. Your presence is so valuable because there are folks that are watching you. This is, this is how you should be when you've got teenagers. This is how you should be when you're an empty nester. This is how you should be when you've got adult children that live all over the country and hardly ever at home. You're, you're setting an example. You're setting a, 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 uh, a model of what godly living looks like. At least they think it's godly living. And the question is, is it godly living? The way you handle your money, the way you manage your schedule, the, the, your, your presence. I mean, it is, I can just tell you, it is so encouraging, the power of a person's presence. You don't have to say something profound. You don't even have to open your mouth. Just you being there speaks volumes to people a little bit younger than you, who are looking at you, who are seeing you. It is so good for others when you're here. When you're here, you are blessing people. Uh, you know, we, we, we talk about serving, we talk about getting involved and engaging and using our gifts, and, and all of that is, is super, super important. It really is. But just even being there, you're blessing people. You're demonstrating this testimony that says, this is valuable. I mean, some of you folks, you've been in church all your life. I can't teach you anything anymore. You know it all. You guys should be preaching. And, And why come and sing these same songs that you've sung before, hear this same sermon that you probably could preach before? You know why you come? You come as an example, as a model to these folks a little further behind you, a little less down the road, saying, as for me and my family, we're going to be in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. We're, we're, we're going to be part of this study. That is so valuable. And, and, and quite frankly, when you, when you are present, it just happens that you're, 
participation starts to grow. And, and it's like you, you get to know people and you, you then can start rubbing shoulders with them and you remember their name and you remember a little bit about their, their situation. And, and all of a sudden that ministry is starting to take off because it's like, hey, you, you, you had that and, and someone's going to ask you and you've got a chance to speak some wisdom into their life. It's so good. Why do you come to church? Well, if we were just to look at it from God's, from our perspective, we come because God told us to. But God has made it so that it is so good for us and it is so good for others. And Satan, he does not want us to see it that way. He wants to totally eclipse all of that. He wants to do all kinds of things to get us to to be distracted and disjointed. And then he's got us separated so that he can do whatever he wants. You know, I've heard my dad tell this uh, story numerous, numerous times. Uh, I grew up in Salt Lake. We had fireplaces. We had fires in our fireplaces. They were not just there for show. And, uh, you know, so just about anyone and everyone could relate to this story that he would tell. He'd talk about how someone went to the house and they started to work with the fire. You know, you kind of helped yourself to help your friend get his fire going a little bit better and all that stuff. And every once in a while, someone would take the tongs and they'd lift that, that log out and set it off to the side separated out from the fire well you know what happened the fire kept going but that log even though it's got all this fuel in it that log would eventually die it would just cease to burn and give it till morning it wouldn't even be smoking see god has designed it so that it 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 takes two and the two together infuse energy in the other. And that's when there's this combustion that happens and there's a real fire. That's not just how fireplaces work. That's how you work spiritually. When you separate yourself, when you distance yourself, when you step away, it's just a matter of time before you in your relationship with Christ are going to tone down, go backwards. Don't ever underestimate the power of your presence. God wants you here for your good and for our good. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for just the chance to talk uh, honestly about this uh, this whole thing of just, just actually being here, whether it's to a worship service or whether it's to uh, one of the educational times like 9.30 or the small groups, a Bible study, a prayer time. Father, uh, to the extent that we've fallen short, we, we ask your forgiveness. We ask your forgiveness, Father. We, we, we pray that you would do in us whatever's necessary to stir our hearts 
so that we would not be offering lame excuses to you when we call in sick, when we call in and say there's something else that is going to keep us from here. I pray, Father, that you would create in us and you'd help us to identify what's keeping us from, from feeling that, that FOMO, <laughs> that, that tank, pain that uh, the family's together, but we didn't get to be there. We didn't get to eat. We didn't get to partake of the conversation. We didn't get to laugh and cry and enjoy one another's presence. Uh, Lord, that is what you want for us. You want us to be a family. And you want the local church to be this, this community that uh, uh, is a, a team that really is truly fighting uh, for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, these, these things we've thought about today, I pray your Holy Spirit would just use them uh, to help us to be more Christ-like. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.